I have just a couple more weeks of this class. I was supposed to teach earlier, but I had a last minute uh, gig come up, unfortunately, and, and missed the other week that I was supposed to teach. I think it was like week four or five. But um, Today we're going to be talking about, uh, well, the heading in the, the book is doing science. So I feel like it's kind of a playing off of last week when Larry taught about worldview. Um, and uh, I, went, I was listening to that this week. Um, I thought there was some really good discussion that happened in that, but uh, so if we think of worldview, um, just for review, how, how would you guys define, I know you guys kind of did this last week, but I'd just love to do that again. What, how do we define worldview last week? What, what's, what does that mean? It's a worldview. No idea. <laughs> Glad you're here. You can answer. You can answer the exam and it's out, right? It's gone. <laughs> you learned it for 30 minutes. And... Yeah, so what's the worldview? Are these guys? Are these It's the lens through which we see the world. Right. Yeah. And react to it. And react to it. That's right. Unless you're an infant. Unless you're an infant. Oh, yeah. I heard that. <laughs> Can we pause again? There, there was so much laughter on the recording that, like, it was hard to even tell what was going on. I was just like, this is chaos. What's happening? I feel like Ron and Danny were fighting. Is that what's happening? No. It was Ron and me. Oh, Danny. Okay. Got it. Yeah, because you were saying a baby has a, has a worldview. Yeah. I mean, anyway. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, uh, <laughs> so, but one of one of one of the big applications of worldview would be in the field of science, right? So, and that's kind of what we're going to be focused on today. Um, I know Larry kind of did the the social justice thing at the at the end of uh, last week, which I think is also significant. But today we're going to talk about how a Christian worldview interacts with science. Um, which is pretty important, uh, especially in today's world, which is uh, modern science, at least, uh, a lot of times wants to, or it's, it's in direct opposition to uh, Christianity, right? To religion in general, but especially Christianity. There's this feeling of like, these things can't relate. Science is its own thing. It's about knowledge. It's about um, uh, expertise. It's about learning. Uh, the way our world works and religion is just about morality or spirituality and what I want to do is kind of show today that that's actually not what scripture would teach that those things do interact that uh, God actually has an opinion about creation and about the world um, and so uh, we're going to kind of look at uh, a lot of scripture uh, first but um, the first thing I want to do though is just talk about what 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 is science? Uh, does anybody can I define science? Any idea? So it's a method of observation. Yeah. And it involves measurement. Yep. Typically, some form of measurement. Anything else? It involves. Um, it's a method of study that involves the senses that um, yeah. science is based upon what you can see, hear, feel, your perceptions, all your perceptions. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't rely <clears> on um, 
what it says it doesn't rely on the, what you can't see, mm -hmm. but actually it does. Mm -hmm. Unless you can measure it. Right. Even that, even Victor's comment, it's interesting just how the world has shaped our view of science and like putting the article before it, the science, and yeah. you know, we even slip into it says, right. well, science doesn't <laughs> say that, right? Right, yeah. It's, right. it's not a person. Right. <clears throat> Glad you said that, because later we'll talk about rationalism, which is kind of along that lines of what you're talking about, the difference between observation and then thinking. But thinking, um, it's, it's an attempt by feeble minds to understand the world in which we live, whether that comes from a presupposition that the world is millions of years old, mm -hmm. or whether that comes from the presupposition that God created the world in six days and rests on the sun. Right. I thought Dr. Fauci was science. <laughs> <laughs> well, most science is theory, but people talk about it like it's true. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that's actually correlational. It's not causal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it just means that there's a third variable interacting that they haven't detected. They just know that things shift together. Yeah, it's good. Those are all really good. Yeah, the only the only the definition I looked up was actually a lot simpler than a lot of those things, um, which is just it's the study of nature and the behavior of natural things, and the knowledge that we attain about them. And the root uh, word of science is a Latin word meaning knowledge or a knowing. Okay, so that's the focus of science is to know more. So to <coughs> gain knowledge and understanding about the world. That we live in. Can by, you repeat that definition? Yeah. The study of the nature and behavior of natural things and the knowledge that we obtain about them. And I disagree with that definition, mainly because um, theology is called the mother of sciences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not just about natural things. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> that's the, that's the, uh, Sorry, the world's definite. No, 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 that's good. <clears throat> so, from a secular perspective, uh, science is started from nothing, right? Started from the big, the big bang theory, right? There's, I mean, there's a lot of different. You, you said theories, but there's a lot of different theories about. <clears throat> how the world came to be and how it exists now. But the two big ones are Big Bang Theory and evolution, right? Those are the things that, that are generally taught in schools today. They're embraced. Um, and an important thing to consider about science is what your worldview is, which is why I referenced worldview at the beginning. Because their worldview, when I say their, I mean the secular world, is coming from a place where there cannot be God. There cannot be a, in the narrative of what science is, we need, we're, they're coming from a place of scripture is not real, it's not true. So what, what, is, 
that's the lens that they're looking at it through. And so <clears throat> when you look at uh, these, again, theories of evolution, Big Bang, these things, it's, it's explanations that are devoid of a higher power. Um, and that's not to say that we as believers in a way aren't doing the same thing because our worldview is that God does exist, that scripture is true. And, and so our perspective is the opposite. We're going to look at creation and science through the lens, hopefully, of well, how does God play into this? What is, how does God interact with the world? How did he create it? How does he make things grow? How did he create us? And, but that's just that, I just wanted to point that out. That that's like, that's where the playing field starts, right? You either believe in God or you don't. You believe in scripture or you don't. And so then everything forward from there is informed by that line thinking. I, I had a, um, a quote here from Darwin, of course, who father of evolutionary thought and developed that whole system. Um, and it was interesting, I was reading about Darwin and he actually was raised in the church. He was Anglican. Um, I didn't know any of this. I, I, I obviously knew about evolution and, and knew a little bit about Darwin, but I kind of assumed that he was an atheist, um, which is actually not true. Uh, or at least he wasn't at first. Uh, by the end of his life, he described himself as agnostic at best. So he lost his faith or uh, maybe never had it in the first place, but he was at least raised in the church. Um, but as he started doing his research and stuff, he he drifted more towards at least agnosticism. But he had a quote that I thought was interesting. He said, I came to see that the Old Testament from its manifestly false history of the world with the Tower of Babel, rainbows as a sign, and from its attributing to God the feelings of a revengeful tyrant was no more to be trusted than the sacred books of the Hindus or the beliefs of any barbarian. So that, that was a Darwin quote. I don't know exactly where in his life. I think that was, may have been later in his life. But So regardless of where he started, he obviously ended up in a place where he felt like Scripture is a joke, basically. That's how I read that quote, right? Manifestly false. He sees it as uh, not to be trusted. And so if you see the Old Testament as a joke, then you're going to see the story of creation is a joke. You're going to see all these other things <coughs> as false, and therefore, with evolution and with the Big Bang Theory and with these other things, like that's a place I think ultimately he's coming from. Um, but that's not what we believe, right? That's not what Scripture teaches. Uh, <coughs> where uh, and so that's that's kind of the first thing I want to do is talk about what scripture says about creation and what it says about God. Because ultimately, nature is a reflection of God and his character. So um, there's two great texts uh, that are referred to as, as, as a way that we, God reveals himself to us. Uh, does anybody know what those two things might be? What are the two primary ways that we 
we that God has revealed to us as believers. Natural and special revelation. Right, natural special revelation. That's good. Um, it's actually not exactly what I'm talking about, though. Um, but yeah, we have talked about that a lot. Um, so there's there's scripture is one thing we can look to, but then we look to nature or creation as a way, and that's what like natural revelation is, right? We look into things around us, and that's that's like kind of what science is. Is the we talk about observation, right? You look at the world and the way it works, and <clears throat> that's creation, um, re- or that's God in creation revealing Himself to us. So this is probably obvious, but <laughs> uh, Genesis, which is the very first verse, right, of the Bible says, "In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then a chapter later, two one, it says He did it in seven days." Right, six days and a day of rest. Genesis two one says it was finished. Then, so I don't want to debate uh, creation theory this morning, but um, as far as like seven days, seven literal days, whatever that might be, I don't really have time to to get into that. But that's what Scripture says. It says God created it, and it took him six days, and he had a day of rest. Um, there's also a, a, a passage in Psalm 89 <laughs> that says, You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. The heavens are yours. The earth is also yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. So, I just read those just to point out. And there's, there's obviously other examples. But from a Christian perspective, from our perspective, Scripture teaches God created the world, right? I know that's like 101, <laughs> but I just wanted to put that against maybe that Darwin quote and what he, where he's coming from, right? To say the Old Testament is patently false. If he's saying that, then he's saying these things are false too. And that God didn't create the world. Um, I want to read some more Scripture that just kind of it shows the ways that God interacts with nature um, and kind of how he how it's a reflection of who he is. Uh, could somebody read Psalm 50, uh, verse 1 through 6? The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes, he does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire, around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Heavens declare his righteousness, right? The universe declares his, declares his righteousness. And <clears throat> to me, that a passage like that is the opposite of saying that science and religion have to be split apart, right? This idea that, that I was saying at the beginning, that science is 
examining the phenomena of the world and religion is just about morality and spirituality. Well, I read a passage like that and I say, God is a devouring fire. Around him is a mighty tempest, right? He has power. He is the power over nature. He's what created it, but he also has power to use it. And in this case, for judgment, but it's certainly not void of God, right? It's, it's not interact. It's not doing its own thing. God has no control over it, no power over it. He's he interacts with it in real ways. Uh, let's look at Hebrews one, uh, verse ten through twelve. Someone wants to read that. Hebrews chapter one, ten through twelve. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. It's another verse talking about God creating the world, but also outlasting the world, right? So not only did he create it, he's going to be there at the end of this world when he makes a new heaven and earth, which we'll look at the passage talking about that. And we'll do one more uh, scripture reading here. Can someone read Second uh, Peter chapter 3, 10 through 12? 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. So I read one more verse there, 13. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Yeah. Right. In all those verses, it's it's just interesting how, you know, throughout this series, Romans 1 has come up a lot. You know, people, they know him, they're actively uh, denying, rejecting him. But this, this idea, it, it's a lot safer to, even if you just want to be agnostic, it's a lot safer just to say, believe in evolution, because it cuts out the judgment at the end. Yeah, it's right. okay. I, I believe I'm here. Once I die, though, I'm gone. My body turns to dust. In most of those passages, you see creation because he's the creator. He's also the judge. That's right. And um, earlier in chapter three, there, he says that the scoffers they'll, they'll deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished, and then it goes into this judgment. Mm -hmm. Because if we believe in God, that he created the heavens and the earth, he also has the right to judge. That's right. It goes back to what you were saying, Jeremy. I think it was maybe... Whenever you're doing like the source for right thinking, like week six, it just made me think of that, like my truth versus the truth, right? 
Like there is no my truth. Like there is the truth in that scripture. Mm-hmm. So if you look to that and you look to these passages, you go, well, I, I don't know how you, you could, I don't know how you could dismiss uh, uh, who who God is and and sort of that. I don't know. I, I get overwhelmed by it. I think like thinking about the like eternality of God in creation when I think about like being there before it existed <laughs> it's like what does that what does that even mean you know um being aware yeah <laughs> right and 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 then thinking looking ahead and looking at these passages thinking ahead of, of of when there'll be a new heavens and new earth it's like it's really i mean you said feeble minds that's what that's all i feel in those moments so just it's just like, oh, i even like process that um kind of makes you feel small, but I think in a good way, it, it, it humbles you and makes you go, okay, I, I read that passage in Second Peter and think, oh, God was here not just long before I existed, but before any of us existed and before any of this existed. And then you go to the end, I'll, and I'll be long gone probably before, maybe, I don't know, before, <laughs> before the new heavens and earth are established, but either way, it's it's, the immensity of it is kind of kind of overwhelming. Um, the other thing that Scripture does, uh, it, you know, it's a reflection of His character, but it kind of tells us, kind of along the same lines. It's not a similar thought is um, just things about who God is again, like Him interacting with nature. Um, there was a there's a section of the book that I really liked, and he had a lot of scripture references for all the things he said. I don't want to just read scripture for 20 minutes, but uh, this is just kind of a list of some of those things. This is from from the book that he said that uh, uh, his voice is heard in the waters. He he breaks cedar trees. Uh, light is his garment. The clouds are his chariot. Um, he causes the seasons and the rain and the sunshine, and he determines the harvest. Uh, causes it to be abundant, right? All of these things, there, there are scripture references for all those things in the book, but uh, these are just ways that, and I mean, you could go on and on. Um, a lot of it is in the Psalms, um, but there's stuff in Old and New Testament about just the way that God uh, kind of sort of bends nature to his will, right? Um, and that's something that man can't do, right? We can't really... As much as we, you know, I think about it when I plant a garden every year at our house, you know, every year there's things I plant that don't do well, and then there's other things that do, and I can Google online, you know, what type of fertilizer to use, or how much to water, or how much to not water, or whatever, you know, and, and I can and try to make it work, and every year, every May, I'm really excited about what's going to happen, and by September, I'm like, well, some things were good and some things weren't and maybe that just means I'm a bad gardener but 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 I also think at the end of the day God has to make those things grow right mm-hmm. light water photosynthesis <laughs> those things, it's like I don't, you know and so there's that dependence that I you know we don't thankfully <laughs> depend on our garden to survive uh, it's it's more of an accent to our our diet but um 
but it, it still is one of those things where it just it humbles humbles me again. I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm really am relying on God to make this happen, and even if I do everything right, <clears throat> and it is exciting when you see the fruit of that when things do go well. But um, the uh, there are there are some examples too uh, of Jesus. Uh, he'll use he'll use nature or natural things as, as illustrations and parables. Right? He used like if you think of the parable of the sower and sowing seeds, um, that's one. And I think the most obvious one uh, is John fifteen. Right? I mean the reference of him being a tree vine. Right? So there's um, just that picture of nature and of dependence, kind of what I was just talking about of of us on, on Christ, right? And so you see some of that in Jesus' teaching as well. Um, but there's, you know, so so there's been a lot of Christians actually that have, uh, I'm just kind of shifting gears here, there's, a lot, there's been a lot of Christians that have uh, had a really uh, positive impact in the scientific field, uh, they've accomplished a lot of significant things, and it's it's interesting when you look at um, some of those guys uh, in history because uh, they were sometimes not necessarily uh, they were looked down upon for like for I think a Galileo and uh, some of his theories that he also proved they weren't they weren't just they started as theories but they were things that he proved empirically. And that's kind of what I want to get into now for, for the rest of our time is talking about <clears throat> going into like science more and, and empirical observation, right? Because that's the scientific method, right? The thing we all learn in school. And, and Galileo, he wasn't necessarily the creator of the scientific method. There was a, there was a different scientist um, a few hundred years before him that they now say was probably the father of that. But... He, he was a believer that also was a scientist. And so he believed in the marriage of those, these two things that we're talking about, right? He, he believed that they didn't have to be separate, um, that scripture and Christianity could marry with science. And that really what we could see in science is the glory of God. We could learn things about nature that tell us, oh, this is... This is who God is and, and, and <clears throat> what he does. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know how much y'all know about Galileo. He, he discovered gravity. He isn't the one that came up with the equation for gravity. That was Isaac Newton, right? But Galileo was actually the one that did some of the first tests on gravity um, by dropping, literally dropping objects off of the uh, Tower of Pisa. <laughs> he dropped things of different weight and... and the theory was, oh, they would fall at different rates, right? Because they have different weights. Well, he proved that that was not true because they were uh, falling at the same rate no matter what the weight was. Um, he also did a lot with astrology, and that was the thing that he was actually punished for was because he, he basically confirmed um, that the earth or that the universe is revolving around the sun and not the earth, which was Copernicus that came up with that. But Galileo kind of confirmed that. Um, and again, he did that by proving 
that Venus had phases, right? So he observed Venus, observed the phases. Okay, Venus is orbiting around the sun. Ultimately proved that everything's orbiting around the sun. Um, and that led to him actually being uh, in trouble by the church, which is kind of funny. They, they at the time were, were not into that, but um, it was kind of ironic. But, uh, but I think it's cool because he took these theories and, and was one of the first people to apply the, the concept of study, observation, empirical right study to these things and, and to prove them. Um, but he did all of it from perspective of belief in God and, and, uh, and there are others too. Uh, <coughs> uh, Kepler, Johannes Kepler was another one that kind of was one of the first to use that method, scientific method and kind of say, okay, we, can, we need to not just talk about, well, this is what we think the world is doing, or this is the theory, you know, they were really applying observation to that and, and proving these things. Um, and there's a, there's a couple things now in, in, in modern science that uh, are kind of a, a challenge to uh, this idea of scripture or truth and uh, science being able to interact uh, there's some schools of thought that came out of Renaissance and and more recently that kind of were in direct opposition to that. Um, again, trying to, again, coming from that worldview of God doesn't exist, so how do we explain how the world works? Um, one of those is materialism. Does anybody know what materialism is, what that means? In terms of, like, in science, in the world of science, how do you apply that? Does anybody know? I feel like I've been talking a lot, so I'm not... But maybe then nobody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a stab at it. Yeah. When I think of science, it's gently, if I'm correct, it's what I think about it, but it's, if you can't observe it, touch it. You know, it's essentially, if you can't measure it, how do you show that it exists? Mm -hmm. Which I think within science, I think is fair because part of it is with measurements, you're supposed to make predictions to prove the, the validity of what you're, the data, um, and at least in my perspective, like with materialism, it's like you have a parenthesis, and this is a variables we can control and manipulate. Outside of that, at least for me, it's where God exists. But with science, like what can we control and manipulate <coughs> yeah. to prove or unprove? And so their presumption would be this is all that exists, where I'd say outside of those parentheses, there's God, and you can't control God, you can't measure God, you can't. Right. So there's some things that exist beyond science. Whether it, if science becomes your God, then that wouldn't be the case. Yeah. That's actually really, it's good. That's really close to, close to what I would say. It's, it's it, a definition would be that it, that it holds matter to be the fundamental substance in nature and that all things, including mental states and consciousness are results of material interactions, meaning basically that's the end all be all is matter, right? So that's exactly what you said. You can't, if it's not something that I can observe, that I can touch the senses, what, what Victor was saying, if I can't taste it, if I can't feel it, if I can't uh, uh, smell it, any of, the, any of those things, then 
then it doesn't exist. And so... It's just so safe, so things like love and beauty right. have to be defined by that. Right. And so, by default, God can't exist. Faith can't exist in, in a world where it's, it's, if materialism is king, then... Yeah, how do you have these things that you, you can't know? And God is spirit, so he doesn't fit into that anyway. That's right. That's right. Well, before science was advanced, I mean, there were people that suspected there was something going on, but no one could see a germ. Mm. They just figured out, well, if we wash our hands, less people die. Or they whatever. didn't know, they were they doing that why. before they even knew why. But that was That's still right. a scientific thing that was discovered without <laughs> knowing, without yeah. being able to observe exactly why it was happening. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because one of the people who discovered that, hey, let's wash our hands, was a believer, and he was using the Old Testament um, in terms of how the Israelites were supposed to were Be supposed clean. to clean yeah. themselves, yeah. make sure that it's right. running water, not standing water, and all that. So even his science, which maybe he didn't understand why, it came from an understanding of of what God said to be true. Yeah. And so again, there's his presupposition. Right. Well, and I guess just sort of adding around Easter or different Christian holidays on like the Science Channel or Discovery, those sorts of things. It's just fun where we will, and this is how naturally the plagues may have happened in Egypt, which mm -hmm. might be totally fun, but that doesn't mean that that is how it happened or that that's how, because in terms of the sun setting still. You know, it's like some of those things in the Bible, like, well, naturally that can't happen. It's like, yeah, but God controls nature. So how would it exactly happen? I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's fun to think about naturally how God could have used nature itself to sure. create mm -hmm. these things to happen. But it's, it's almost like where you start almost trying to explain God naturally to the point of not needing God in the explanation. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. I think is part of the, the issue point of with the material. Nature being the one that's in charge mm -hmm. and him kind of mm -hmm. being lesser. Right. I I just think of the the individual scientists that, you know, embarks on their journey. Cause just like anyone else, they're born in the world under the corruption of sin. And that person, as a child, right, is already performing science experiments as they engage with their environment. And they learn that if they touch this glass, it falls over and water pours out of it. And, uh, you know, if I poke at my mom or dad too much, they get angry at me and, <laughs> right. And then, you know, at some point they move on to an undergrad class and they study these things and, and, and the development of pride and hubris, right? It's like now that they're in the top levels of their fields, they kind of start leading the way of what is truth. And so I don't even know that they are, it's like a passive rejection of God because it's, they're blinded to that, right? Mm -hmm. And, and they're, they're asking the same questions that everyone asks. Who am I? Why am I here? Where do I come from? Right? Um, But I just see so much uh, fulfillment of scripture in, in these very things, like mm -hmm. through the 
through the wisdom of the world, they did not come to know me kind of a thing, right? And mm -hmm. I've hidden it in the very nature or however that all that stuff goes. But like we're talking about materialism and yet when they're running their, uh, I forget what you call it, but you know, they plug in data for thousands and thousands of stars to run a simulation. There we go. Yeah. Right. And the supercomputers crunch that and then, you know, they, they have to come up with this new theory of dark energy and dark matter because what can be seen, right, or touched or whatever, doesn't, doesn't answer the question. Like there's, there's yeah. more out there. Right. And so they, they make a, a faith, you know, jump. So. Well, it, and it goes back, it makes me think of, uh, I was looking back at some of the former weeks of this, this whole series. And I was thinking back to when Damien was talking about our mind and the gospel. And one of the things he said was that we can still reason and think, right? So we still have that ability to do things like that, even as a non-believer can do that. Um, but I love when you were talking about like the death of our ability to know and understand God, right? It's going to be some Romans 1 reference, right? Our minds are debased. <clears throat> and then he gives us that special, oh, by, the, by the Holy Spirit, we have this now this ability to think on these things in a way that someone who's lost can't. And, but that person's, a, so it makes sense that someone that is lost, who still has this ability to think, to know things, is going to, tr they have a different framework, right? And it, and it has limits. And so they're going to try to filter everything into that. And so God created science. He created yeah. All of the systems, the human body is multi-systems and mm -hmm. how it all works. He created this earth with all of its systems and is organized and um, allowed us the <clears throat> intelligence to learn what he created and how it all works. Mm -hmm. And because of sin, it was corrupted to the fact that we now try to make up reasons for what we mm -hmm. see. Like even early on when um, the Nile overflowed every year and they were trying to learn, well, why does the Nile overflow? Well, it's some goddess who's uh, sorrow, right. you know, crying tears for her husband who was lost. And, you know, so they taught their children these, made up these, stories to try to explain the natural things that were happening mm -hmm. but and it had to do with you know religion and what they worshipped and uh, God created us also to be worshipful beings and we worship something but because yeah. of sin we're, you know it's skewed to mm -hmm. who and what we worship right no, that's going right back to the Romans one thing even though they knew God they refused to give him thanks as God. Well, that that I feel like that plays in the other. Uh, we talk about materialism, but the other thing that that kind of you see in a lot of science uh, is rationalism, right? And this this idea that knowledge can be acquired simply through reason, 
without the aid of the senses. So you talk about mathematics, and that's an example of that, right? With just rational thought, we can make numerical relations, we can construct proofs, we can do these things with our mind. Um, and again, that's not wrong. That is, you do have a mind that you use. We are rational beings. But if you take it to its extreme, it rational rationality becomes the God, not God, right? It, it, it's, uh, it's the Rene Descartes quote, I think, therefore I am, right? It's like, that's, no, you, you are because God made you, right? You're not, you don't exist because you can think. Uh, you exist because God created you and blessed you with the ability to think and to be, to have rational thoughts. And so it's interesting how those things, I think both have a place, this, this idea of materialism or rationalism, they have a place in science. They're, they're kind of the source of, you know, materialism is observation. We're observing matter, right? We're observing these things to come, draw conclusions, to prove theories. Rationalism is we're using our mind, we're using our own ability, our, our logic, and we, we marry those two things uh, in science. But ultimately, again, the framework is wider. The lens has to be wider than that for us because, because we believe in God. Well, that's also assuming people are being pure in terms of their pursuit. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the other piece... That's right. And if Jeremy Moretz was here, he could talk more about how people do research studies that mm -hmm. when you know enough about the math, you know which type of stats to use to show mm -hmm. that it may not be as honest or objective a measure of what's going on. Because um, even the universities, I was listening to somebody just the other day that they're talking about their how they this therapy with working with children and stuff and it's really effective and because that a lot of people in universities will do studies on their on their approach because it's effective and they need to show when they do science that it works so you're always trying to prove positive things rather than showing what doesn't work mm -hmm. nobody wants to read about that right so that in itself can skew because you're trying to find anything that shows what you did there's a significant difference therefore what you were thinking is correct but it skews the outcomes because yeah. of the way that it's constructed. Yeah. A lot of times it's not an issue of science versus religion. It's an issue of bad science versus good science. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it goes back to, oh, I guess what I was saying by pure is, are you objectively just trying to gain knowledge or do you have an agenda that needs to mm -hmm. come out of the collection of what you're doing? And it could just be as simple as, I want to keep my job. So I'm going to do yeah. something that shows that what I was doing worked <clears throat> and it works not very well, but it works well enough. I can say it works. I can <laughs> right. do my job. And even more challenging if that's, if it's your job and you're also saying, Hey, this is a declaration of God, <laughs> God's glory and creation, right? Well, yeah. All science is going to have an agenda because yeah. if your motivation for doing science is um, to deepen your admiration for your creator. That's, that's an objective. That's already a mm -hmm. um, kind of a preconceived framework. Mm -hmm. yeah. and we, we have to be careful as well as believers that we um, are honest and don't yeah. too quickly jump on 
right. something say, oh, see, this proves this without even, sure. you know, because we see, you know, you look years back at some someone finding a pig's tooth and making what, uh, some whatever Neanderthal man out of that one pig's tooth. Mm-hmm. He came up with a whole skeleton. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. But we can sometimes do the same thing when we're not thinking through things objectively and you yeah, it's, it's easy to point the finger and be like, well, that's obviously a leap, you know, mm-hmm. but, but not yet. Not look at, look at Mark. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, an area where I've seen Christians do that is like dinosaurs just, it's just not real. Right. Yeah, that dinosaurs never existed. Yes, they never existed, even yeah. though, you know, there are fossils that, of animals that we don't have now, you know, like, yeah. and there's Bible references that sound very close mm-hmm. to describing a dinosaur. Yeah. Well, you you just make yourself sound stupid and you make people <clears throat> not want to trust you and your faith mm-hmm. when you're, you know, when you're doing science badly mm-hmm. as a Christian. On both sides, though, it's like they're, to have a place where you say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's this and there's this. I don't know how to reconcile them, but they both seem to stand on their own. And then it goes into some of the rationality piece of it. It's like, well, we're just going to toss this piece out because it doesn't make sense. Like, maybe it does. I don't know how it connects. Mm-hmm. And on both sides, be able to say, I'm not really sure about this. Right. And with some of the thing, I think, weren't you mentioning, Victor, about with the, the new telescope that... It's refuting some of their premise about the universe, and so the thing is, what what is not supposed to work? You come up with whatever your preposition, your theory, your proof is, and then it's supposed to be torn apart by the community of scientists to find out mm. what stands, what doesn't. There's a lot of yeah. psychological studies that they can't replicate because they were skewed. Mm. There was things going on that shouldn't have happened, and so it's like. But they've based years and years of mm-hmm. practice on it, wow. and they can't yeah. replicate it, which is part of what science is. But then there's people who don't seem to want you to get in there and dig around. Mm-hmm. But true science, you should be able to dig around. And I mean, the people I respect, it's like they'll even publish the data with it. It's like, hey, you take a look. Maybe yeah. I made a mistake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the uh, humility that we need to have as believers, you think. You know, read those last handful of chapters in Job more often, where God tells Job, "Where were you when I laid the foundation right. of the earth? Right. Who are you <laughs> that you think you know how God operates?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's <clears throat> you. I think the most important thing is, and then what I was trying to get at with all of this is that you can't. Scripture teaches us that you can't separate those things, and that that's super important because science, like it's a law of science, like a law of gravity, right? For example, take that. That's true as far as we know, and is is true until maybe one day it changes and it isn't, right? I'm not saying that will change, but that's kind of how science works. It's like we can we we prove it enough to say. I mean, if you make a law, that's a you're really saying, okay, I think we've established by enough observation and enough testing that this is how this works, right? So we can we can rely on this to be true, that gravity is true or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, God set that in place and could change that if he wanted to, right? 
Um, and, and so that's kind of the tension we live in as believers is like with science, it's like we kind of hold it all with an open hand because we know we can make observations and, and, but ultimately we have to trust that, like it says in Proverbs that, you know, we lean not on our understanding, but God's right. It's like, that's, that's how we understand these things. And, and, um, and it, and it, and that it isn't wrong, even though it is a, a presupposition that we should champion truth and should champion if there are things and we do take the time to test them and don't just jump on them, that if there are things that do point to God and to his glory and to his power and creation, that we should be okay with championing that and being like this, this, you know, I mean, how can you, you know, prove that to a non-believer they're going to say you're foolish but we, should, we still should stand firm on that I guess is what I'm trying to say is, is not be ashamed to, to stand on that and say hey this is this is what scripture teaches and God definitely interacts with nature he definitely had a uh, a role in creating it and a role in ending it as we talked about and um, just not being ashamed of that um, talking to someone who is coming from that other worldview of that it's foolish or that it's false or whatever that might be. And that's a tough conversation to have, of course, uh, and finding how to, to uh, middle ground there is, is not easy, but um, you can't be ashamed of the truth at the same time. So anything else? I guess reflected on the fact that that community also kind of lives on the edge of the unknown and uh, just imagine how uncomfortable that is uh and yet they're doing it all the time so i a little bit of respect for what they do yeah uh and it's kind of a like a takeaway for my own faith that you know as i'm studying god's word and uh learning to know him better there is a there is a the incomprehensibility that we talked about and and how Revelation, though sufficient in salvation, is not not necessarily full. Mm. Um, well, in fact, we know it's not full because it says that when we see him, we like him. So there's more to be gained. But just the ability to sit in the uncertainty mm. and uh, rest there, right? Yeah. It's like how... I forget who made this quote, but it's like, make peace with that person. Why? That's my enemy. He's like, you only make peace with your enemies. You don't make peace with, right? So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Brave verse, Sure. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are just grateful to you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us through your spirit, uh, through your word. Uh, and through nature as well. Just thank you for um, this class uh, reads uh, preparation and time uh, to teach us uh, about science uh, and scripture and their compatibility. Lord, as we contemplate the things that he has taught us that we may uh, use them again to better understand you, the, the world around us. Lord, I just pray as we go into service uh, to pray for the um, Pray for the band, the worship team, or whatever you want to call it, and for um, 
I'm not sure who, who's preaching today, Jeremy. Ryan. And pray for Ryan, who's preaching today, that and the congregation that we would again, um, through your Spirit, just understand what you have us to learn, uh, to use it to glorify you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Yeah.